Welcome to the Chronify Podcast. This is Ben Miller. In today's episode, I respond to a smart listener's request relating to a prior episode. Before we get to that, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe. And if you're downright loving it, sign up for Chronify. The first month is free, no credit card required. It'd be great to have you on board. Now, let's get to the episode. Today's episode is titled, When Chasing More Means Making Less Addendum. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. A few weeks ago, I released episode 31 titled, When Chasing More Means Making Less. In response, a self-described first-time caller, long-time listener, who also happens to be an old friend, had some bones to pick with my presentation of the alternatives available to someone who's not sure whether to stay at their career or to move on to greener pastures. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, give it a quick listen. If you have, buckle up while I address some points that turn out to be quite good. Let's start by introducing our caller. We'll call him Kenny, because that is his name. Kenny was disappointed with two glaring omissions in that episode, and I agree with him enough that I'm devoting today's episode to filling in the gaps. Our astute listener made two good points that became one great point upon closer inspection. One was about variance, and one was about the decreasing marginal returns of wealth. If he sounds highly educated, trust your instincts. Let's begin with a clarification. Starting or joining a startup is by no means the only route to having an equity-like payout or ownership of the full product of your labor. You can do similar by working on commission, participating in side ventures, etc. But we'll use a startup as a placeholder example of a possible career destination. The first issue Kenny had related to the concept of variance. Kenny pointed out that someone who takes the leap into startup world has a much higher variance in terms of income than does someone who remains at his or her current role as a corporate stooge. His words, not mine. That's certainly true. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So how can we take account of the fact that, all else equal, most of us would prefer a guarantee to a gamble with the same expected payout? First. Listener beware, it's about to get real nerdy in here. So we're going to couch this section in the respectable terms of prospect theory. One of the central features of this cornerstone of behavioral economics is that when it comes to gains, people have utility functions that are concave. For the less math inclined, that means that it bends downward, like the entrance to a cave. That means that if you draw a line segment from one point on the curve to another, it's always below the curve. So the average of the utility of two amounts of gain is less than the utility of the average of those two amounts of gain. The bottom line, you don't like the gamble because the expected utility is smaller than the utility of the expectation. Most people are wired this way. We're risk averse in the domain of gains. So what about losses? Well, if you're like most people, your behavior changes when you start thinking about losses. Most people are risk-seeking in the domain of losses. Their utility functions are convex, like a bowl that's right side up. The expected utility of a gamble is greater than the utility of the expectation. Granted, people make decisions that buck these trends all the time, particularly when there's skewness involved. Buying a lottery ticket, for example, is a bad bet, 
but if it pays out, it's life-changing. So how can we apply this to our careers? The utility functions we just discussed suggest that a particularly powerful form of encouragement to make the leap can come in the form of reframing the situation. For me, this took a couple forms. One instance occurred when I watched someone I worked with retire in his mid-40s with plenty of money. Most people looked at this as a victory. I got scared. People who consider only wealth are bound to see his example as an inspiration to stay the course. For me, I was benchmarking my evaluation relative to his overall potential. The implicit thought in my head was, man, if I get to 45 and all I've done is make money, I'm going to be disappointed. Unwittingly, I had shifted my mind into the framework of thinking about losses in terms of unrealized potential, instead of gains in terms of unfathomable money. Another instance took a personal tone. I had a two-year-old at the time who told me her favorite thing to do was to walk on grass, which was quite the luxury when you're in the NYC orbit. For me, a guaranteed gain of a patch of grass for her to walk on was a pretty meaningful reason on the non-monetary side of the ledger. Remember how we talked about how most people have utility functions that are concave in the domain of gains? The same's true for wealth as a whole. If you have 100K in the bank and you find 100K lying on the street, that's going to feel amazing. If you have 100 million in the bank and find 100K, it doesn't really change your life at all. This suggests another way to get to a point where you're willing to take more risk, having a backstop. If you save money diligently and get to a point where your back is no longer against the wall financially, you can unlock a part of yourself that may lay dormant while you're in the accumulation phase. When your wealth gets to a certain point, it may become the case that the marginal returns of more wealth are rather meaningless unless they're truly explosive. Does this mean you should make a few million and then swing for the fences? Not necessarily. But it does mean that at a certain point, your utility function might get flat enough that taking a risk doesn't look as aversive as it once did. So Kenny's thought process is sound. Depending on your risk appetite and where you are in your career and your life, your preferences may vary. In my own life, I would not have had the courage to take a risk and start my own business unless I had saved enough money to make the downside palatable. After all, I wanted fulfilling work, but I also wanted other things out of life. For many of us, there's an accumulation phase of life where it makes sense to value sure things much more than risks. But we can take comfort in the fact that for any one individual, it might not always be that way. If you're responsible about your finances, you can put yourself in a position where the diminishing marginal returns of wealth give you a reason to take risks you might not have taken earlier on. Put simply, there are seasons to life. There's a reason why people use the phrase, I can't afford to take that risk. Sometimes, the best thing to do is to diligently save up money until you can afford to take that risk. That point is different for everyone. But please do stand willing to kick the tires every so often and ask yourself, what about now? So, here's an addendum to the addendum. My inbox is always open and I'd like to invite all of you to be like Kenny and let me know if there's something on your mind. I'm Ben at Chronify.com, and I'd love to hear from you with topic suggestions, omissions, clarifications, or whatever else you may find interesting. Have a great week.